Hi. Hey, guys. All right, well, how are you besides? Good. Good. Yeah, I've had a social day. I'm a little socially wiped, but I need to get my head back in the game because. I know, because we got to talk right we now. We got to chat. And then we have a game and night. And then we got a game night. Guys, Dude. we are social beings. Um, I have not interacted with anyone except you and my coworkers and like customers all week. So, no, this, is like my, this is like my most social day in like no, weeks. Like, genuinely, I have not seen. Oh, I saw my family. Like, I saw my family yeah. today. Well, like for a short I think about. working at customer service is like socially oh. exhausting just in oh, yeah, itself. Especially because I'm new, so like talking to all my coworkers, it's like, yeah. oh, it's still like a lot. I think I feel extra socially exhausted today just because I'm still getting to know my Jillian. Like, so it's yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, when you're like with new friends. Because like with you, you gotta ch- I don't get, like, we don't know, have I to like chat. my alone time and stuff, but it's yeah. like, I don't get, it's like we're dating. <laughs> anyway, like, we don't have to talk. Oh my God, that's what I was gonna show And we don't have you. to try. I went to go change my wallpaper today. On my phone. Today. <laughs> Can I, I don't see know the new why. wallpaper? Um, it's just some flowers. Cute. This is always like my my main one, but Aww. I like to switch it out. You know, yeah, from time to time. I like it. Uh, so I go to my wallpaper. Let's see where it is. And it gives you like recommendations on like what to add when you like click on photos, and all of them are like of you. <laughs> like what you would expect with wallpapers yeah. it's like flowers you, and like, trees. like my phone thinks we're dating i think like it thinks that like, i want you to smile all right what's new with you um not even new guys all that's new with me is i ordered some socks <laughs> i ordered some socks and they sent me extra socks and so now i have about i swear like i was doing my laundry because i just did laundry so all my other socks are clean yeah i have probably like five pairs of the white ones five pairs of the black ones now i have like five six pairs of the gray ones and about more white ones. So you do the math on that. I won't. I won't, but <laughs> it's a lot of socks. Like I had like a pile of socks. Hey, better to have more socks than few socks. <laughs> That's <laughs> not grammatically right. I just love socks. Like next time I'm like, I have to do an icebreaker, which I hope I never have to do again in my life. Oh, I'm God. just gonna say like weird shit. Like, um, my name's Tony, and a fun fact about me is I have a lot of socks. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. And they're gonna be like, oh, like you collect them like fun socks, and like, no, it's just no, like normal just, socks. I, I just, just like, like have socks. a lot of them. Like I like Nike socks, your yeah. standard Nike socks. Yep. I like them. That's funny because I I hate icebreakers, and I and I know I'm gonna have to do them when I start school. That's that's the worst. Part. That's the one thing I'm Dare really not gonna miss about school. Yeah, that is the I mean, worst part of school. school. Yeah, icebreakers. I love when teachers are like, no bullshit. Like, just say your name and your major, and let's move on. That's all I'm we like, need to fucking thank know. Thank you. I don't. Okay, one fun fact. How old fine. am I? I am nearly 22. Well, <laughs> actually, no. I, I'm 21. But I am nearly 22. <laughs> you don't need to know how old everyone is. I don't care how old everybody okay, is. They usually I don't care that. what their favorite little fun fact is. Yeah, I, I don't Okay, I, I, sure. Knowing your major or go, knowing your year in school, sure. Okay, if I was a professor, this is what I'd do. If it was like an English class I was teaching, I would say like last book you read or like most yes. favorite. Most Something favorite book. That it, <laughs> favorite book. <laughs> most favorite book. Most favorite book of ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I really excel in English. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm not going to be an English professor, no, that, so that's not an issue. That's good because that like is applicable to the class. Where yeah, it like gets, it, you know, you're like kind of, you kind of get to learn about everyone yeah. in the class and like it does break the ice. It does. But you're not like being like, oh, on the spot, like, oh, two truths and a lie. I fucking oh. hate that one. If anyone ever makes me do two truths and a lie again, arson. <laughs> arson. Immediate arson. Immediate arson. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I, like, I hate when it's like, say something like really quirky about yourself. Yeah, give me one fun fact. And I'm like, I literally have not done anything 
of interest in my life. No, so don't ask the, me that. the one I used to use when I was like a lot younger was like I can touch my. Well, I was kind of a flex. It was a flex. I would oh, be like I can touch nose. my tongue with my nose, and people would be like, oh. "That is," cool. and they're like, "Do it," and you're like, "I'm like." Yeah, bitch. It's kind of weird to demonstrate, though, like, to the class. Yeah, like, that's, that's yeah, bitch. I only did it when I was, like, a child. I have no... I usually say concerts. I'm, like, I've been to, like, 50 concerts or however many. Yeah. But I'm, like... I hate that. I used to say, um, I remember one class, this is when I was a freshman, I said, I like to wear funky pants. What? You don't wear funky pants? I don't so much anymore, but I used to. I used to be with the funky pants. Like, I was a funky pants girl. <laughs> you didn't know me back then. <laughs> Okay, we've been talking for 10 minutes about yeah. literally nonsense. <laughs> Let's nonsense. get into what we're actually yes. supposed to I need a little lead-in, though. No, I like it. It's that like, was a good it's like sex. You have to, like, <laughs> foreplay. <laughs> yeah. This is the equivalent of foreplay. This podcast is like sex. We need a little foreplay before we're getting into it. What are we talking about today, Julia? Wait, what are we going to call this? Because I, I have it written as 16. Iconic California It Girl Writers. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just going to call it... they're It Girls. Even Joan. Oh, that's cute. I need to blow my nose right now. I need to let this place blow. This place is about to blow. (laughs) Anyway, okay. What are we going to call this? I don't know. I think I'm just going to call it... Even Joan? I'm going to come up with something. But what, what would you describe them? Like 60s, 70s writers. Writers. Yeah. Female writers. Female writers who are very Californian. But you can't like... You can't like pigeonhole them though, you know? They're like No. They're like very I don't know. They really they've just were writing it in a similar time period, but they're very different. They're very different and also they're different from like any other writers. Uh, yeah. Like generally, like they are known as like iconic I know. writers well, just for who they're they like are. They're like it girls. They are it I have that that's, in here. They She's are like such Eve Babbitt's like was Eve Babbitt's the LA very it much girl. an it girl, even more so. Girl, her more. life some tea. I can't wait. I'm excited. I don't really know that much about Joan Didion, well, honestly. Here it like, is. I've only read, um, uh, I almost said White Castle. <laughs> well, that's White Castle. Restaurant. <laughs> Where did that come into my brain? That is You're like an burgers. Old, that's like the first fast food restaurant ever in the US. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> White album. I literally yeah. would. The it's book. funny that that's the one, that's the one Joan Didion I haven't read. Yeah. <gasps> Because I know I've read a lot more Joan But Didion. I think it's good that you've read a lot of Joan Didion. Yeah, and I've read a lot of This is facts. perfect. Yeah. Like, it's, she's one of my And favorites. then after this, we can be like, here's Joan Didion, and you can be like, here's Joan Didion. I love exchanging books. I love letting people borrow my books. I love borrowing people's books. I love a little exchange. That is my love language. Yep. Me too. It's up there. It's like it's up there with um, it's cute. sending a song or like sending a playlist. Yeah, it's so true because it's like I enjoyed this. This is a piece of art that I really enjoyed, and I want you to enjoy this art too. So like, don't and cry. You can like know about them, their inner lives through this piece of art. Yeah, um, yeah. Or sending a meme. <laughs> us every night. That's <laughs> <laughs> literally every day on Instagram. <laughs> sending memes. <laughs> other. Sending a SpongeBob meme. You sent me a SpongeBob meme. Yeah. A song, or a, a book exchange. We're in love. We're in love. I, the only thing, literally, the only things I use Instagram for are to post about pop culture vultures, scroll mindlessly, and send you memes. <laughs> and only you. I send memes to no one else. Literally, just I you. I have to select like four or five people I send memes to, and wow. I bet you could guess. So. I'm not the only one. I'm sorry. I thought this was exclusive, but um, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> okay, uh, that's what you talk about off the pod. <laughs> okay, anyways, we're talking about Eve Babbitt's and Joan Didion. <laughs> 
you guys don't know who these people are, then you need to fucking read. Wake the Pick, fuck up. Wake the fuck up. Pick up a fucking book and educate yourself. Actually, come to our house and we'll exchange yeah, some books. Yeah, we got so some books. Like I said, Julia mm. has tons of Joan Didi and I have yep. tons of Eve Babbitt, so yep. come on over. Yep, 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 yep. Our address is... Okay, anyways, so mm. who wants to go first? I'll, I'll start. Okay, I'll start, start me up. Start me up. I don't really like the Rolling Stones. That's an <laughs> I like the Beatles way more than the Rolling Stones. Okay, why are they... Okay. They're very different. No, this is for another time, but... Yeah. I hate that. Beatles or Stones. Bitch, <laughs> I was not alive in the 60s. Yeah, I have no idea. But even if I was in Beatles that time, fun, I have the yeah. common sense to know that they are two very different bands with very different sounds, and why would you... People just love to do that. I mean, they're just like two, they're like British, British boy bands. But, but no, but like British Oasis boys. Blur. Yes, that makes sense. They make like the same type of music. Yeah. But Beatles and Stones? They don't. That is not... They, you can't conflate especially that. Especially with what, I mean, I guess maybe at the beginning the Stones kind of had a more like boy band sound because they did a lot of covers. But yeah. they were always more like rebellious, very rock, like... Yeah. And the Beatles have like multiple different eras. You can't even... No one, no one can even, even pigeonhole the Beatles. No. And yeah, yeah, they are just better than everyone, so... <laughs> All right, truth be told, you're right. All right, so, Joan Didion, if you haven't heard of her, she was born December 5th, 1934, in Sacramento, California, a Sagittarius. Oh. I love my fire signs. I love a Sag. Uh, I'm a Sag rising. Yeah. Fire is the best element. I'm going to say it. I'm going to throw it out there. Fire? Um, I Come do, on. I do. I am tempted to commit arson a lot. Well, that's not really what I meant. <laughs> that's not what I meant. Oh, you just don't mean like the element generally? You mean astrologically specific? Yeah. Okay. I guess you're right. Fire is... Fun. Yeah, you're nice. right. You're right. Spicy. Okay. So how she got started with writing is that her mother gave her a big five notebook, which is, I guess is a brand of a notebook. I don't know. When she Bitch, was what? Sh- you never had a big five notebook? No. What the fuck is that? Oh, I'm thinking of five star. Oh, oh, of course I had a five star. Oh, maybe it became five star. <gasps> no way. Wait, big five. The is legacy. Five star. <laughs> the wow. the legacy of no the evolution <laughs> of five star. <gasps> okay. Yeah, I definitely had a five star. I also had compositions out the wazoo. I love a composition book. Mm. Um, no. <laughs> you know, Bitch. you know the worst part about a composition. Well, book yeah, is when you're writing on those first pages and That's you have true. to do the back side of a page. That's true. Anytime it's, you're doing the back side. A, of a spiral page. is definitely better. Yeah. But when I'm carrying a composition, I just feel so. I'm like. I'm a student. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. <Let's> <laughs> her mother gave her a big five notebook, now five stars, <laughs> guys, if you know, you know, when she was a child so that she would stop whining and amuse herself by writing down her thoughts. So basically That's she was really like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Remember, yeah. she's like, go count all the windows. And she's oh, like, fucking So okay. true. Honestly, guys, this is how you're going to adopt a love of writing into your child. Give them a notebook. Just give them a notebook and tell them to shut the fuck up yeah. and just write down what they want to say. That's yeah. how everybody should be. I'm going to be real. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be real. Don't give me no drama. Don't bring me no drama. Okay. Her influences growing up were Ernest Hemingway and Henry James. Okay. Interesting. Safe. She was always very shy and a very bookish person growing up and writing kind of became her form of expression and journalism later helped like push her out of her comfort zone, which I feel that way about journalism too. I feel like it's it gets me like... Oh yeah. You definitely have way better like like personal skills you know yeah like being, like, and like conversational people. skills yeah, my yeah. conversational skills have improved i'm so like much. not i used to be so nervous doing interviews and Me now too. like i will talk to anyone i like do not care at all yeah it's not a great like feeling? even like adult you know what i mean like you're like people that are like oh like you're an adult and like you're and yeah you're, like, you feel like imposter syndrome now i'm just like it's fun if you yeah. go in with like a good attitude it's like usually like a fun like easy yeah. chill conversation yeah, yeah. 
Okay, then she went to University of California, Berkeley and graduated with a BA in English. While there, she won a Vogue essay contest that offered her a job as a research assistant for Vogue, either in Paris or New York. And she chose New York, which okay. I'm like, dude, what a fucking gig. Right out of college, she got a job with Vogue. Okay, let's, it not, was speak a different of it. Time. let's not speak of it because Eve Bevis didn't even like fucking go to college and she mm. has an amazing Slay. life. But she's also like... True, you don't need to... Oh, really? I, mean, I have to party it. <sighs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> That's like a pain fart. <laughs> 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 Sorry. This is gonna take hours. <laughs> I know. This is why we shouldn't record in the evening. No, I'm like so we're like delusional. <clears throat> okay. Your ass is losing goosey goosey. Your whole <laughs> plug that shit up. Okay, okay. Cork it up. Okay. Let's go. Uh yeah, so she moved to New York. Between the years of 1956 to 1963, she worked first as a copy editor at Vogue and then an editor. So she climbed the ladder. It was easier back then, though. It was sure. way fucking easier. Um, while there, probably the most like potent piece she wrote was on self-respect, its source and power, which is like a piece all about the importance of having self-respect. Oh and, and it was a Woke big deal. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a big deal because at the time, Vogue mostly just wrote about like. How to do your makeup what and like how to do your hair. Your yeah, vibe. which is like fine, but yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. But it was very like, you know, it's just kind of shallow yeah, yeah. stuff like that. So this was like, it already set her apart as a writer because it's like a very, I don't know, personal and social topic that she like approached in like a very nuanced way. She's the original. And she dropped that in vogue. In a, in a good way. In a good way. Yeah. She was like, I'm going to enlighten the these girls. Yeah. I'm going to enlighten them right now. <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah, like, it's not just about appearance stuff it's about having self-respect inwards inwardly mm-hmm. inwardly <laughs> inward self-respect yes and then in 1963 she wrote her first novel run river about the disintegration of a california family it was not very successful probably mm-hmm. her least like just not, not i've never even heard of that so yeah it was an early one around this time she met john gregory dune a writer for time magazine and he went on to write 13 books of fiction and nonfiction. And they married in 1964 and moved to L.A. And oh. they were soulmates, bro. They were like writer soulmates. Shut up. Don't. I know. On this pod, we're always talking about people that like meet and like stay in love. No. And it's just not realistic. I'm not believing it. It's like literal real life. And I'm like, still like, no, <laughs> no. I know. But it's, it's the truth. They never turned in a piece of writing without reading over the other's work. And they were each other's most trusted reader. And they would later go on to like co-write the film adaptation of Play It As It Lays together. And they wrote many screenplays, including the 1976 film A Star Is Born. Yeah. They wrote that together. I didn't know that. So they were like a duo. <sighs> and they were just so close. And I, and I watched Wait, it. Wait, was interview. the 76 one with Streisand? I think so. That is such a slay. I haven't seen that one. They have Streisand and, and fucking Joan Didion and her husband wrote it. Dude, no wonder. It is a good movie. I need to see it. I, I only saw The Star is Born, the recent one. I just love Barbara Streisand. We should play some when we get home. I have like seven Let's Streisand records. Let's play on Streisand, I have like three girl. of them. God fucking damn. Well, they're from my grandma. She like loves Barbara Streisand. That makes sense. Yeah. And they were generally just super cool. Like at this time, they like were renting like a dilapidated mansion in the Hollywood Hills. And they had a banana colored Corvette Stingray, which is what she's standing in front of um, oh. in the White Album photo. Yes. Where she's like... And she's, like She's so yes, slick. Yes, okay. And they were just living like this cool California life. So the they're like they're like the '60s writer version of Thurston Moore and Kim Gordon. 
That's how I see them. Yes. Just like the until yeah, until Thurston Moore cheated on Kim Gordon. Oh. Uh. Anyways, John didn't um, do that to yeah, John. Yeah, jo- John and Joe. Come that on, is so cute. I love that. I love a little duo like that. Oh, that's adorable. That's funny. And she, I, in like the documentary I watched about her, she said like she couldn't, she don't, she doesn't think that she could ever have married someone who wasn't a writer. Like she just needs someone who could understand her on that level. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's like dedication. That is because I feel like with a lot of <laughs> other art forms, like myself included, I could not date another writer because I'd always I don't know feel if like I could in competition either. With them. Yeah, I would feel in competition, and I would always just feel like I maybe that's like a thing I need to self reflect on, but I just would always feel like. It, they were like, I don't know, it's like my thing. Like, let me do my thing and you do something different. Exactly. Like, I don't want that. No, I agree with that. Yeah. Like, it's nice to have, it's cool to have, like, compatible interests, like, yes. fields like that. But, like, I don't know. I also, it's nice to have, yeah, it's good to have, like, That's a separation. I date musicians. True. It's related, but it's not the same. Yes. <clears throat> But that's also a curse. <laughs> we are guests. <laughs> we are like ill, guys. We're not doing well. <laughs> we are ill. <laughs> okay, they couldn't have children, so they ended up adopting a girl named Quintana Rue Dune in 1966. And she continued to write essays and articles for various media like the Saturday Evening Post and others throughout the 60s and 70s, covering topics like the counterculture movement, mm-hmm. Hollywood lifestyle, and yes. California history and culture. Lots of California-centric stuff from this period. Yep. So her groundbreaking essay collections are Slouching Towards Bethlehem, 1968, The White Album, 1979. Yes. Those are the main ones from that period. Mm-hmm. Um, and they examine topics like the hippies in the Haight-Ashbury district, the film industry, the music of the doors, and just like various weird celebrities and just the, the weird stuff going on in Hollywood at the time, because that was a crazy era for Hollywood. Dude, so weird the as we know between these two. Arenas. Really now, okay. Just with their writing content, but very different stylistics. Very differently, yeah. yeah. Um, her writing style is very like matter of fact and direct, but it's also very lyrical and it makes you think, yeah, you know? It kind of casts a spell. It is. Yeah. Um, so these accomplishments established her as a leading force in the new journalism and literary movement, and she became kind of a voice of her generation. Such. And she just had a very cool, like, like sophisticated image, like sophisticated but cool. Like you, reputation. like I see when I picture Joan Didion, she's like smoking a cig. Yes, you know? like she's always smoking she's cool. Sing. She's, she's got that but vibe. She's like put her together. sunglasses are like low, and she's like smoking. A cig. Yes, exactly. But even like, as an old woman, she's like she's got that. Look, she was like you that know? all the way up like, until death. She was like she, she would drink coke, here, like like religiously. She would drink a coke for breakfast. She drank like fifty cokes a day. Well, I don't know about okay, fifty. Well, that's weird. I know, but even into old age, she would be like. <laughs> Smoking. How does a Coke correlate with this? Just like caffeine. Like I don't. I just one of the little quirks about her. I, uh, I imagine I her mean, like smoking a cigarette. That's how my mom is. Like my mom loves a diet coke. Hey, <laughs> my mom drinks like a diet coke a day. You yeah. can't blame them for that. My grandpa was also like that before he got old. And isn't that weird? I feel like moms yeah. are like that. Moms like love. Oh diet my god, my coke. mom was like that too. They love. Di- my mom is like, give me a diet coke, and she puts a straw. Who were like, t- yeah, teens <laughs> in the eighties. So love tr- diet coke. Yeah, so wait, that is so true. No, like all, all of our generation's moms love diet love coke. Love diet coke, guys. What the fuck did they do? Comment down below in our Instagram post. <laughs> Send an did email your mom to mom. <laughs> drink. Does your mom drink diet coke? Okay. Also, a little background if you don't know what new journalism is. <laughs> Get with it. It's my favorite kind of journalism, first yes. of all. Basically, it's an American literary movement started in the 60s and 70s that pushed the boundaries of traditional journalism by combining research, like journalistic research techniques with like fiction writing techniques, like having like a subjunctive perspective, like mm-hmm. having like I and 
just like more of a lyrical, a yeah. lyrical vibe. So like some examples of new journalists are like Truman Capote, Hunter S. Thompson, mm-hmm. Gay. That's Talese. more like Gonzo type, you know? Yeah. Like some of it, a lot of it bridges on it, like gets into like yeah. Gonzo journalism too, because you really have to be part of that yeah. to be able to like describe it in a like you know, like illustrate it in that way. Do you know right. what I mean? So, it's like yeah. inserting yourself as a character yeah. in yeah. a real life story. Basically. Yeah. And often you have to like understand the context and have been in that scene to mm-hmm. understand it, which Joan Didion definitely was. Joan Didion is definitely like the best, I think, example uh, of a woman in the new journalism movement. Like, yeah, probably, definitely. Yeah. Or one of the best examples. Period. And just period. Yeah. Period. Because she was such a keen observer yes. of what was going on. Because she kind of like could like fade into the background because she was always so like short and kind of quiet. So people like didn't really, yeah, like people didn't really pay her much mind. But then she was like getting the tea, like she was getting the facts. She was like in the background, like, yeah. (laughs) She also started like going to and like hosting parties with celebrities at the time that were often mentioned in her writing. So like Janis Joplin. Fun little facts here: Harrison Ford was her carpenter. Oh wait, about wait a minute about Harrison Ford. Bitch. Oh wait, I know about. Oh this. wait a fucking minute. I know about this. <laughs> There's so much tea. But he was their carpenter for wait. a while. Isn't <laughs> that funny? Like he that would, makes sense though. He would like looking at him. If he was not famous, I'd be like, "You're a carpenter. You are a carpenter." Like yeah, in the Hollywood Hills. <laughs> like that man Hills. is a carpenter. Yeah, yeah. Also, Warren Beatty allegedly had a crush on her. Oh, just wait about Warren Beatty too. <laughs> All these men. Wait, there's so many intersections. Wow, crazy. Um, She also interviewed one of the Manson girls, the getaway driver and lookout person who was there Um, for the crimes. Oh, what was her name? Is that Linda Kasabian? Maybe. Is she the one that got out recently? No, that was um, Leslie Van Houten. Oh, Van Houten, yeah. Because she she stabbed the LaBianca up. Man, yeah. with, she put the fork in his belly. That's oh my insane. god, I know the deets. Oh yeah, Julia's reading Chaos. Everyone, <laughs> I've probably said this before. Um, go read Chaos, guys. It's Best crazy. It's crazy. I literally want to reread it. It's like so. Crazy. I'm I'm like really invested in like the 60s and 70s right now because you're I'm really in that it. world. I'm in that world. Now I'm gonna go into Eve Babbitt's after this, so it's gonna be crazy. You should read the White Album then. I think I'm gonna read White Album and Sex and Rage next. That, that's, my, that's my plan. Sex and Rage is like very different, but like White Album. So because I want fiction. I, there is this Eve Babbitt's one I haven't read yet that's basically about like um, a like Jim Morrison groupie type that I really want to read. Mm. Okay, anyways. Okay. Um, yes. I'm pretty sure. Should I look that up? Who was the getaway driver? I think it was L- Linda Kasabian. Well, it's in White Album. Oh, that's yeah. That's the essay. I think that essay is in it. Linda. Yes, it was her. It was her? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that's crazy. And they, she found out when she was interviewing her that they had passed by Joan's house on the way to commit mm-hmm. the Tate LaBianca murders. I was yep. like, whoa, whoa. Because that was the poppin' area. Yeah. What if it was Joan? What if it had been Joan? That would have been fucked up. Anyway. I mean, yeah. Well, they no, knew, it was they knew anyway. what house they were going to on Cielo Drive. Yeah. Like, they knew the they house. Knew. It wasn't... They didn't know Random. necessarily the people. That's not what they cared about because, you know, they were obviously going for, like, different... It yeah. didn't matter. But, yeah. like, they were, like, whatever. Like, Cielo, Cielo Drive. Cielo Drive. Cielo Drive. Cielo Drive. But, yeah, if she lived in, on Cielo Drive, she could have been the one I know. involved. But, yeah. It's crazy. Um, so, yeah, she continued to write fiction as well as nonfiction as she rose in prominence over the years. Um, she wrote Play It As It Lays in 1970. That's a novel. And A Book of Common Prayer in 1977. That's another novel. Her novels are like, I feel like her novels are not really as known as her. She's more of the nonfiction girl. Yeah, yeah. But I, I do want to read Played as a Lays. I've heard kind of mixed things. 
Hmm. About that. Okay, let's move on to the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Yes. All right. So she moved back to New York in 1988, but then she would continue to go between there and LA, where she wrote mainly about political issues at this time. So she wrote about like the Bush administration. Um, she wrote the first mainstream media article to suggest that the Central Park Five had been wrongfully convicted. She, oh, she was woke. She's so good. She's so good. <laughs> she was. She was on it. Oh my god. She was on it. She was. Um, she wrote other collections and books, including Democracy, Miami, After Henry, and The Last Thing He Wanted. I don't know any of those. Hmm. The, I think her work from this period is not as like her career was still going well, but her yeah. 60s and 70s work is what really defines her. True. You know. True. And then came the 2000s, which is a sad time for oh Joan, Miss Joan. Yeah, this is actually really position. tragic. Yeah, no, <laughs> it is like probably. It's sad. Anyway, just just go, <laughs> just go, just go, just, just say it. So in 2003, her daughter Quintana was in the ICU after she had gone into septic shock from pneumonia. Um, after like visiting her daughter in the hospital with her husband John. He, that night, like at dinner, he suddenly died of a heart attack. And, which was horrible because she was like going, already like going through the stressful experience of her daughter being the ICU. Yeah. And then her husband just suddenly dies. And her husband was her soulmate. Yeah. Yeah. Just like suddenly all out of the blue. And like he, like they were in love. Like they were each other's like most trusted confidants. You know, it's so sad. And she wrote The Year of Magical Thinking about this, which I think came out in 2005. Wait, but her daughter died, right? Eventually, yes. So in 2005, it only gets worse. In 2005, her daughter died of acute pancreatitis. I think that's how you say that. At age 39. Damn. Really young. So, so she wait, lost wait, her whole family. Wait, how far apart between her husband's death and her um, Two years. Damn. I know. So she wrote um, Year of Magical Thinking after her husband or after both? After her husband. So oh. after her husband died, she wrote the Year of Magical Thinking about what it's like to like lose someone so suddenly like that. And it's like the best book about grief I think you okay, can possibly I read. read that. You should. I have I'm... it. It's really... Because it's, it's part memoir, just like about him, but it's also about like it researches like what happened to him. And it's so good. And it won the National Book Award for Nonfiction, and it was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. And it was also adapted into a play. I'm that surprised she it didn't co-wrote. get a Pulitzer Prize. It should have. What fucking beat that book? I don't know. Beats me. Beats me. It better not been. A, it better not have been the book thief. Actually, I, I like the book <laughs> <What>? thief. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so then later, of course, as I said, her daughter then died, and then she wrote the book Blue Nights about mm. this in 2011. And so that's similar to the year of magical thinking, but it centers more on her daughter, which is so sad. Her daughter was 39. So young. She had like 10 years of like life just alone. I know. Because her whole, your whole family, because that was her family. It's so sad. so fucking sad. But it inspired some great art. Okay. Isn't that right? Um... At what cost? That's, that's <laughs> that the benefit. Not, no. <laughs> okay, let's get into her later years okay. as she got older. So she was awarded the National Medal of Arts by President Obama in uh, 2013. Of course, Obama. <laughs> Slay. Obama what, appreciates What were we good saying stuff. about Obama that one night? You were just like that I love him. really getting into it like about Obama. You're like, I just... 
like Obama, like I could tell the, like the edible was hitting because you were like getting so passionate about Obama. I was really passionate. I, was I like, love Obama. I was like, like America, like you, we were proud to be Americans. Like <laughs> yeah, you were, you were like, when Obama was president, I was proud to be an American. No, I was like, I, you were literally like 12. <laughs> I was six years old. I was like young as fuck, but I was like, let's go. Like Obama. I, like, oh, sing. Can, Can you sing? sing? That was me all through the Obama administration, guys. Obama. Yeah. <laughs> all through the Obama administration, I would say. I cannot. Okay. No, but okay. like it makes sense. Like Obama, he would understand good art. <laughs> he like that's true. His book he has list good every taste. year, and his he does a book list and he does a song list. I know, and it's always good. I love. I, he's, so, he's still relevant. I like, love him. I love him. Yeah, he'll always be relevant to us. Yeah, he will. He will. <laughs> Okay, her nephew Griffin Dune made an amazing Netflix documentary about his aunt called Joan Didion, The Center Will Not Hold, which came out in 2017. I used it as one of my sources. I was say, did you watch that? It's really good. I've if you want to get a more in-depth look into her life and her legacy, you should watch it. Okay. It's really good. And I love that her nephew made it about her. Isn't That's that so really cute? Sweet. Yeah. Um, and then in 2017, she released a collection of essays called South and West about her travels in the South. In the West. <laughs> Shocker. Okay. Um, and like, like of the states? Yeah. Like it was like a road trip she took in 1970 through the South and then okay. also like in through California, I think. Okay. I read it. It was good. It was nice. <laughs> yeah. It was a nice thing. In 2021, she released her last book, a collection of essays called Let Me Tell You What I Mean. Mm. And then she died December 23rd, 2020 at age 89 of Parkinson's. Damn. 89. That's a long fucking That is a long life. life. And I'm sure you might mention this, but Didion and Babbitts died within days of each days. other. Two California queens. Yeah. Poetic parallels. But <laughs> what, what can year I say? was Didion born? I think Eve Babbitts was younger than her, slightly. 1934. Oh. Okay, she was a lot older than her then. When was Eve Babbitts born? 43. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Wowzy. Wowza. Damn. Yeah. She's iconic, though. Isn't she a legend? Wow. Yeah. That's it. Love it. Yeah. Woo. Thanks. I'm going to edit. Yeah. I'm going to edit international. I think we should do that from now on. Yeah. Just I'd be. Yeah. Yeah. Like, ourselves I like up in that. post. Yeah. <laughs> in post. We're like, yeah, we, are, we actually have a live audience here with us today. Woo. Yeah. They're like, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, you're hot. I love you. Okay, you're that's so, enough. You're so funny. Save that for the DMs, which you get so many of. Yeah, <laughs> our DMs are flooded. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are you ready for some hot oh gossip? I'm, I'm so excited. I need something. I need gossip. I need light. Slay. I need light gossip. Let's go. Slay. Yeah. I want the tea. Okay. All right. So, Eve Babbitts. Uh-huh. I feel like when she died, not a lot of people knew who she was. Like, True. Joan Didion, like, she she was, like, pinnacle. Like I mean, like, she... Not to say that Eve, Eve Babbitts is, like, one of my favorite writers, but, like, yeah. there's a certain, like, like prestige to Joan Didion's writing that's like you know she is like a very good journalist and stuff like that where Mm -hmm. Eve Babbitt's I think was more just like talented in the way that she like strung ideas together like her perspective on life is very unique she like was around a bunch of interesting people and she documented that too but it wasn't the same like I don't know 
like yeah. like professionalism, I guess that Joan Didion had. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So people like didn't. She wasn't like remembered, I guess, in like the writer community as much as Joan Didion was. Right. But was still it was still some like talk around it. But definitely just like generally people don't know as much about her. Yeah, which is interesting. What's up with that? I bet part of that is like slut shaming. Oh yeah, there has to be a lot of that, especially mm-hmm. this time. But yeah. Yeah, whatever. And like discounting her for like not going to college or something like that too. Yeah, but honestly, this girl slays. So nice. she is the LA it girl. She was the muse and lover to many artists in the 60s and 70s. She's a self-taught journalism and uh. acclaimed author of books like Slow Days Fast Company and Sex and Rage, amongst uh. others. Oh yeah. So she was born May 13th, 1943. Guess what? Taurus, bitch. Okay. All right. Slay the house, boots down, Horus. <laughs> Slay the house, what down? Boots down. Boots down? <laughs> boots? I don't even want to sew it in. What did you say earlier? Eggs in boots? I always say eggs. Eggs and boots? I don't say boots, I say boots. <laughs> boots? That's like, yeah. You should slay the house, boots down. Yep, that's that's the internet terminology. Is it? My lady, yeah. Hmm. I'm behind. <laughs> I'm behind. <laughs> Anyways, um, okay, it begins at birth, at conception. <laughs> <laughs> at the dawn of time. So her mother, Mae Babbitts, was an artist, uh, like a visual artist, a painter, mm-hmm. and her father, Saul Babbitts, was a violinist on contract with 20th Century Fox and the first violinist in the LA Philharmonics. Okay. My first chair, bitch. Well, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, fucking crazy. Artistic family, I love that. Hold up, her godfather, good friend of her parents, Igor Stravinsky, bitch. Oh my god, the fucking composer? Stravinsky, bitch. <laughs> they said right of spring. <laughs> Bump it in that fucking house. Dude, what? Said... <laughs> that a lit house. I love an artistic house like that. That's Dude, so cool. I know. That's so, such a cool way to grow up. Yeah, and she had two siblings, a brother and a sister, both younger. She attended Hollywood High School, where she like oh. partied quite a bit, but she also read a lot and did really well in school. From a young age, she was a huge fan of Proust and also like Virginia Woolf, Anthony Powell. So she, she was well read. Um, Growing up, her bohemian and artsy parents would hold parties with close friends, including but not limited to Charlie Chaplin, Greta Garbo, and the Huxleys were like pretty pretty common attendees of these parties. Goddamn, all the like film noir people. I know. Cool. Crazy. Charlie Chaplin's like... Like, t- like tap dancing around. Like, in my brain, like he he didn't speak like ever. Like, like he never just, spoke. No, <laughs> he was always just like, <laughs> like even in his real life, like he could not. Speak. I want to be Charlie he Chaplin be- for Halloween. Shut up. Well, that'd be so Wait, funny. that'd be funny if I went as PB Herman and you went as Charlie Chaplin. I don't speak a word. I don't speak a word the night. The whole night. I speak for you yeah. in a in a PB Herman voice. <laughs> oh so god. Funny. Okay. Anyways. In 1963, when Babbitts was 20, this is when the tea starts, bitch. All right. She's dating Walter Hopps, um, a curator of Marcel Duchamp or Ducamp? Duchamp. Duchamp? Duchamp. Well, it's with the CH. Sometimes it's like... In French, it's... Well, see, I don't know French. That's why I ask you. Why do I always have these fucking French names? Yeah, you do. And I'm always asking you. They're always French or Italian, and so I ask you, like, how do I say this? Oh, It's nice to have you. Okay, Marcel Duchamp. Um, so Hobbs failed to invite Babbitts to the opening of one of his retrospectives um, in the art museum in like Pasadena or something because his wife was going to be there. 
Hop's wife. Oh, he's a married man. Oh shit. Um, and the party was like baller as fuck. Like she didn't care that he didn't invite her because like like of their relationship or whatever. She like didn't care that he was married. She didn't give a fuck. But Andy Warhol and Beatrice Wood were supposed to be there. Like a bunch of cool people. So she was like, like I need to be social. This is where I'm supposed to be, and you didn't fucking invite me. So she's pissed. Um, so this other photographer for Time Magazine, Julian Wasser. Um, was at some other event, like she was at an event with her parents, as she as she does. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes up to her and asks her if she'd be willing to be photographed with Duchamp while playing chess. Uh-huh. But she'd have to be naked, naked. bitch. Nude. And she was like, of course I would. In because the she knows that Hops would have to see it to like, because he's her, his curator or whatever, that he would see that photo of him in time and see, see it around, right? Yeah. Um, so she does the fo- photo shoot. Um, and that like grabs people's attention real quick oh, yeah. for reasons good and bad. And the mm. photo nowadays is just like a classic. Iconic. Like, you've, you've seen it. Oh before. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, she was kind of like a pinup type character in the fifties, a sex icon and a muse for many artists. Um, but she was also she, it's not like she really put herself out there to do that. She was just very in the scene. She was very social. She knew a lot of people, mm-hmm. and she was young and she wanted to get around and fuck. She just wanted to fuck around. She did that, but she was also just, like, really motivated by her own art and, like, stuff that she wanted to do. So she wasn't ever really controlled by men or, like, tied down to any one person. And that's sick. That's a sleigh right there. That's baller. Literally. Um, So in 1968, Eve Babis took an interest in the music scene that was exploding in L.A. at the time. And she met and began working with, I don't another fucking name, Amet Ertgun? Is that that one piano player? Uh, no, he was a record executive oh. at Atlantic. Never mind. Um, and she was, she did like some visual art as well, like in her youth. And I mean, her mom was like also a painter. Yeah. And Babbitt was actually commissioned to do cover art for Buffalo Springfield, um, their album Buffalo Springfield Again, and The Birds, Untitled, mm. that album, and also Linda Ronstadt. Heart like okay. a wheel. So on those three albums, she did the art, the cover art for. Cool. I feel like no one knows that, but she's like those like three iconic artists, and she like did the art for them. That's so cool. Yeah, and like of course those aren't they're like big albums, but it's still like okay, still. Because she always had this like knack for seeing artists' potential before they like blew up. So a lot of these people that she was hanging out with or sleeping with or whatever, like she was friends with them and stuff before they got famous. So she kind of had that ability to like see that in people. Mm. She's around these people and like was really drawn to those types of characters and then just so happened that a lot of them became famous. She could see the star quality. She could see the star. She and had she a sixth sense that it was she a did. star quality And she was just like sense. a muse, bitch. Oh like, yeah, she was. Uh, Everybody was falling in love with her left and right, falling onto her heels. My favorite. <laughs> That's what I want to be. I aspire to be yeah, her. Yeah, left and right. So Shadi was getting around. Mm. Let me just say that. Um, she was like often compared to like Eddie Sedgwick, but she, in not in the way that Sedgwick was like, she, she was more of just kind of like, I, I don't know. She didn't have her own like aspirations in the way that Eve Babbitt's did. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like she really was just kind of like sexualized and like as, well, no, a muse right. of, that's all she kind of did. Yeah. Nothing against her. Great. But like Eve Babbitt's had that quality and she also had the ability to like do stuff on her own. So yeah. pretty good. Um, but she shacked up with Harrison Ford, <laughs> Warren Beatty, yeah. Jim Morrison, Iconic. Steve Martin. Steve Ed- Martin? Yep. Ed Ruscha, J.D. Souther, Stephen Stills, and Glay Fry. Oh my <laughs> so God. a bunch of the artists that were in like iconic bands or like actors, whatever. <laughs> a lot of times she slept with them before they were even famous. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. Um, 
date Martin. That's funny. Yeah, so during this time in the late 60s, she was dating writer Dan Wakefield and was partying it up. And through him, like at a party or something, she met Joan Didion. And she had, she was writing at the time. She'd always been like a big reader and writer. Mm -hmm. Um, But like obviously never quite the level that Didion was doing it. But she Mm -hmm. saw her, like she'd already kind of like been in a, I mean in the late 60s, 70s, she was already like a point of like, fame and like doing her thing in the biz you know oh yeah so eve babbitt saw her in this party and approached her and asked if she would like read the book that she was working on joan didion sent it to an editor at rolling stone um because she like referred her to them because they had asked didion if she wanted to write for them but she was under contract with life magazine at that time so Uh. she like sent the work to the people at rolling stone and like recommended Babbitts for like the job that they asked her to, to film. Oh, so she so helped her out. I queen, I know. It was like, she was like kind of under her wing. I'm glad they had a good little interaction. I know. That's sweet. Um, so she essentially became a self-taught journalist. Um, she has works appearing in Rolling Stone, of course, as well as The Village Voice, Esquire, Vogue, and Cosmopolitan. So she right. was just like doing her thing. Slay. She was a great observer of Los Angeles and the art and people that made up the small niche of the society there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of talked about that. She's just kind of, she was kind of like, a groupie it girl so she was able to kind of have that gonzo journalism style where she was like in the scene a lot Mm -hmm. like like Joan Didion where she was in it and just kind of like writing what she saw and what she was experiencing I would say the difference with their writing with her writing from Joan Didion's is that it's a lot more like just like free-flowing she was like a party girl like she was just like you know a lot of times just talking about like the ocean and talking about these interesting people she'd met and like that kind of thing where Joan Didion is definitely a lot more political or Eve Babbitt is just about like the vibes like she's yeah, totally about the vibes i agree i yeah. think like didion like requires more brain power to read for sure because oh, yeah. it's more like it's she's like making claim like she's I, I don't even know how to describe it she's making like it's very like nuanced like you oh, have yeah. to think yeah. you're like oh like she's like making like she's expanding this is your a, mind this is a generation of lost innocent yeah psychological yeah. fragmentation you're like you're like, <laughs> you're, you're like girly stop yeah the break. it's like a lot yeah where eve babbitt's is more just like yeah. talking about love and life and relationships yeah. and like it's, it's really good to read in your 20s to read. yeah and if you're in your 20s and it's summertime fucking pick up some eve babbitt's yes but the thing about her too i think like people don't give her credit for the work that she does is because she is that way and people are like, oh, she's just but like, some, but she's like still a valley writer. girl nepotism, but her writing flows so nicely. It's so nice it's to so read. It's so good. Her writing always makes me want to write because I'm, like, yes. I'm like, oh my God, I, that's just like such her good writing. Her writing is so good. Yeah. And she also like, she is so herself in her in her novels and just in, yeah. her, in her life. Like I bet that's how she just carried herself. Mm-hmm. And I just like- It's so genuine. I'm so drawn to that in people, like people that are just so unapologetically themselves. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And they just like, don't give a fuck what anyone else is thinking. They're just like doing their thing. I yes. like love that. And so like, cool. She has that quality for sure. And yeah. it really shows in her writing. So. Definitely. So like, so even before she kind of like got into writing though in her late teens, this is kind of like when it started for her. She was living in Europe with her family and she was just like writing the whole time. And she wrote a manuscript for a novel, which she sent to Joseph Heller. He wrote Catch-22. Hmm. Um, and he put in a good word to, his, to the publisher that printed Cat, um, Catch-22. And it didn't like really go anywhere, but she was like still like really trying to, even from a young age, she was really trying to push her writing. Mm-hmm. So it shows that she had the dedication too. Um, After a piece in Rolling Stone, a book deal came through. Um, Oh, I mean, at this time, too, I will say as just kind of like a caveat, she did sleep with her editor, Rolling Stone, and Mm. she did sleep with her editor for the book. But I don't necessarily think it's correlated for it getting her stuff getting printed. Doesn't have to be. But like, girl, do what you gotta do. It could be correlation, but not causation. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Am I right? You are right. (laughs) 
scientifically speaking. You're correct. I wiped that one out. Of the I heard that of my brain. <laughs> Literally, back in like fucking eighth grade. Um, yeah, so do what you gotta do. But she got a book deal after that. And whatever. If you, she's trying to get printed. She, she got what she was looking for. Hey, so. whatever. Eve's Hollywood was published in 1974. Um, it's about kind of like love letters to LA. She was in the same way. There's like a lot of just like vibes of the city and like very California-centric. Mm-hmm. Um, Slow Days, Fast Company is published in 1979. And then Babbitt's turned to more fiction writing. Um, although it's fiction, but it, like you read Sex and Rage and you're like, bitch, this is you. Like, this is I you, girly. Yeah, me too. I love, I love that. that. Um, so Sex and Rage in 1979 and then L.A. Woman in 1982. That's the one about the Jim Morrison groupie. Oh <laughs> so my God, it's like very closely aligned with her book. But Sex yeah. and Rage... It's so good. I read it twice now because I read it last summer and then I read it, I reread it this summer. Oh my god. And it's just so fucking good. My next book. It's just like fun. It's just like, I don't know, just like interesting characters because all of them are like based off of like real people that she mm-hmm. knew or like an amalgamation of them and I just like love that. Uh, so good. Um, Black Swans was published in 1993, which is some short stories just kind of like looking back on the decade before. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also wrote a few other just like books that weren't like known as much two by two in 19. 19- 99 and then a book called i used to be charming which came out in 2019 i think she'd like written it before but it was like published later in life. yeah um she continued writing through the 80s and 90s and then in 1997 she also had some tragic shit happen to her which kind of just threw off her life completely mm. she was driving home from a party and she had like some ash from her cigarette or cigar or something that she was smoking fell onto her skirt and she went up in flames oh my god and she suffered third degree burns on like a half of her body Oh. And she was given a like prognosis of fifty fifty chance of survival. Oh my god! I she almost died. Bad. Yeah, but in Babbitt's fashion, she persevered. She survived. Yes. Um, she left her party and glam lifestyle after decades and became sort of a recluse, only speaking to family and close friends. Mm-hmm. In a Vanity Fair article I read, she reflected saying, um, like years later, like looking back on the incident, that she was like a mermaid now with half of her skin being scaly. So she like. Even after such, like, a horrible, like, grotesque accident, like, yeah. she still looks at herself, like, as a fucking mermaid. Yeah, I'm, like, sees herself she... in, like, in, like, a positive way. Yeah, like, yeah. she's so confident. And I'm, like, that is That's the best amazing. way to look at it. What a role model. I know. Um, and she also, like, just in her life, it's not like she... She definitely was, like, a party girl, but that did come at, like, the cost, too. Like, she did a lot of cocaine when she was younger. She definitely had some mm. alcohol problems, like, later in life, which stunted her writing she had like a gap where she didn't write a lot mm. um and so you know she she was not without her her issues as well even though she was living a glam lifestyle yeah um she never married and she passed away on december 17th 2021 um just 12 days before joan didion dude so there's that that's crazy man yeah. crazy the world was like we can't have one without the other Take it's them true. Out. It's like the balance of the universe will be off. Yeah. They must go. They because, must you know, they were 10 through. years apart, which is just oh, crazy. Dude. So she was still, like, lived a good life. You know, she was, yeah. like, what, 89 or something? Mm-hmm. Whatever the fuck. 89, yeah. Um. So, yeah, Babbitts wasn't too too far behind her, just 10 years, but still. I love that they had, like, a cute little interaction. I know. Like, she really helped her out. Like, that catalyzed her career. Uh, Jillian, Without Joan She Didian, saw yeah. the potential. She did. She did. Ugh. Um, but yeah, what I, there's a lot of articles that I read just kind of like, I think after her life and even towards the end of her life, people looking back on her writing and being like, oh, we should be taking this seriously. Because mm-hmm. I think as she, like when she was writing all this stuff, 
no one really did. Like, she was in that mm-hmm. scene and, like, she sold books because she had so many people that knew her and stuff. So, like, she was she was getting stuff published and she was doing well, but I don't think anyone was, like, really taking it all that seriously. Mm-hmm. But then, at, you know, later in her life, people were looking back and being like, oh, wait, this is really good because she, yeah, it's not the same as Joan Didion, like we said, but she yeah. does have this, like, ability to just, like, be very, like, raw and honest in a way that I don't think a lot of writers are. Like, and she and she does that without trying too hard either. Like, she's just, like, putting it all out there. You yeah. know what I mean? And there's been, like, such a resurgence recently in people, and mm-hmm. especially young women liking her books. Yeah. I think, like, appreciating her writing now, because I feel like, like, young women can, like, relate to it, because it's, like, this young woman yeah. being just herself and, like, not caring what people thought. Yeah. And that's like something, and that's cool. It's People cool. Kind of like yeah. It's like, that. it's kind of that, it gives me that feeling of like someone who is really like in touch with their femininity and stuff and like mm-hmm. really showing that. Because I feel like it, femininity and, not and like, of it. Uh, and kind of like that aloofness of like, you know, of Eve Babbitt's just how she writes like very fluidly and like mm-hmm. just like, yeah, aloof thinking. It's like kind of shamed in, in our society. And so I like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like akin to that where it's like someone who's like hyper feminine mm-hmm. and like owning that. It's like, it's the same vibe. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I'm like, yeah, you were doing this, and that is, like, not really fully accepted in our society, but you're owning it. Exactly. And you're fucking making, you're profiting off of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that goes into your art, and you're, like, making money off of it, which is, like, slay. Slay. So, yeah, that is Eve Babbitt. All right. All right. Can we get a round of applause? Can we get a round of applause, guys? What do you think of that? People in the library are like, shut the fuck up. But honestly, I have way more pages of notes. Like, I put so much shit in here that I'm like, why did I write this? But I just have so many thoughts about her because I love her. If you're also an Eve Babbitt's fan or want to get into it, call me up and we will discuss because I have way more notes. I love talking about about books with people. It's so fun. I love connecting over literature. I know. I love literature. But, anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed hearing about these two iconic authors. Go read them. Yes. And also, let us know some of your. What are your favorite your top books? reads right now? Top books, top Go authors. Go fucking Instagram and comment your fucking favorite book, bitch. Get on there! Get on there, bitch! <laughs> so go on there. Please follow Please. it. Please comment. Follow I'm desperate it. now. Engage with us. We're trying to make things. I see you guys and it's, listening. This isn't adding up. The yeah. listeners to the followers. So <laughs> Yeah, guys. Get, um, come get on. on it. Um, anyways, yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed. Have yeah. fun reading. Oh, next week we'll be back with a very special episode. Oh, my God. Episode. Yes. Guys, this one's going to be really be fun and hilarious. different. Like, saddle up. Saddle I'm in. so excited. We might be a little um, under the influence. Yeah. And... It's going to be a party. It's going to be a fun fun time. time. Be ready for that. And then that ends this season or whatever the fuck. This round of Summer season. The summer season's over. We're going to take a little break. Julie's going to go home, visit her fam. She's got school to attend to. And I got to go to school. I've got work to attend to. And then we'll be back, And then we're going to come right back for fall. Fall fucking fun. And fall is going to be in full swing, guys. Guys, only fun stuff from here on out. Not that this wasn't fun. This was all fun. We've had some fun summer. We've been having fun The summer ones were good. Really good. And the next one? And then next, uh, the next one is amazing. Guys, and then fall vibes. So get ready and put your listening Saddle. ears on. <laughs> yeah, get your ears. Get your ears cleaned out. Make sure your ears get are. a cotton swab in there. Get yeah. one of those, but don't picks. go too deep. Don't they have like a little, like a like you know how they have that for your teeth? Don't they have one for? Do they? Or those candle things? Get the candle that you Ew. <laughs> get the drip. I have one of those. Should we use what? it? Should we break it out? No. It was a gift from Lily. <laughs> it's bad for your ears, isn't it? The candle. I don't know. I've never used a candle. It freaks me out. Okay, anyways. Okay. We love you guys. We hope you had a fun time, and we'll see you next Next week. week. Bye. Bye.